0: I I just want to uh, Start off my message by saying What a real and relevant And uh, Cool Character That we get to Identify with today In the mains you can turn me down in the monitors A little bit please And his name is Ezekiel One of the greatest prophets And God really used him In a time when So many had Turned their back On God Makes me Think of our life Where many of us have And I'm not saying when I say Us I don't mean the people here I mean The church at large Christians at large We have turned our back On God Here it was The nation of Israel They end up becoming Uh sent to a place of exile, a place where they chose to not serve God, but to serve the things of this world, this things that we so get to enjoy on this earth. God became very upset. And isn't it amazing that in the life of, of, you know, the, the nation of Israel, the Israelites where they had a choice they knew that they were set apart and that they were called of God, yet they chose the joys, the simple pleasures and the sins of this world versus the pleasures of God. And so as I was studying it this week, I couldn't help but to start to think about where we are at as Americans. I can't speak for third world world countries because I'm not there. But I know that there's hardship. I know that there's famine. I know that they have forgotten who God is. I know that missionaries have gone and planted seeds. And so many have gone back to their old ways. Not considering the grace and the power and the mercy of Almighty God. And today, as I stand up here, I just want to encourage each and every one of you, if you have fallen away, if you have backslidden, if you have gotten away from the fellowship with God, can I encourage you today to get on your knees and to make a change for Him. I'm here today to also say that God loves you and He cares for you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the hardships you faced even this past week, even the week before that. I know we've cried out to God in our prayer closets and we have said to God, God, heal me, and maybe He hasn't done just that. But God still wants to hear from you. We realize that because of sin, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. We will all give account for the things that we have done and how we've lived our life on this earth. I'm not standing up here to say that I'm any different than any of you, that that I'm better than you, because I'm not. I'm a born-again young man who heard the call and answered it. This morning, FAQ class starts. Little Xander, which is George and Patty Nucius' grandson. He said, guess what, pastor? And I said, what, Xander? He said, I prayed last night. And I said, you prayed. And I said, what did you pray for? And he said, I prayed that Jesus would come into my heart and to save me. Now, putting everything else aside, nothing else matters, does it? No food, no drink, no house. Nothing, but that that little man knows the Lord is his savior. That's what our life's about. And so it's about the gospel of Christ. It's about sharing the gospel with others. It's about spreading the good news. It's about inviting people. And I'm blessed to have a friend of mine as well as Matt's friend. It's Nelson. Welcome to church. We're blessed to have you with us today. And so, you know, it's about sharing our life in Christ with other people. And if we don't share our life in Christ with other people, then what is the significance of our Christian life? Christianity means that we live like Christ. That we walk in the likeness of Christ. So we see the nation of Israel and they have fallen away. They've been in a place where they're just not focusing. False prophets have come in. They've listened to the, the, the wonderful, friendly, soul-seeker type guys who said, you know what, here's what's going to happen. It's all going to be good. All you've got to do is bow down to this wonderful idol and good things are going to happen. Well, it didn't happen because there's only one true God. So there was a young man... And I want to say, young man, I believe God pricked his heart at the age of 13 years of age. Isn't it always amazing how God moves in the life of a teenager? wonder why that is. Oh, that's why. Let me answer it for you. Because we as teenagers don't have anything. We are broke as a joke. We live with our parents. They pay for everything. And the only thing we can really truly give with all of our heart is our life in Christ. So if you look throughout Scripture, you start to see through the prophets, through David, through so many that God used these teenagers to do a work. Because you see, there weren't or there isn't distractions. problem with today, we've got iPhones, iPods, iPads, Xboxes, Nintendos, Atari. I had to throw Atari in there, you know. I have all these other distractions. I mean, think about it. Not even TV has. Ready? TV, you can just click away, and you've got the computer right on your TV screen in your home. So you can Google, you can search, you can watch, you can do whatever, and distractions can just overtake you. I will tell you this. We have to be very, very careful. There's now a new word that's out for people that are addicted to social media. And I don't know what it is, but I heard it this week on 60 Minutes. I don't know what they see. You guys were waiting for that, weren't you? And, uh, but I don't know what it is. All I know is everything has a title and everything has a fancy word. So I just figured I'd share that because I'll tell you what happens. Even myself, I'll pick up my phone and I'm doing my message and I go to Google something. And it says, you have a notification on Facebook. Oh, I do. I better check it out. Oh, they liked my post from five days ago. Woohoo. Why did I get on here to begin with? Does that ever happen? My wife will say to me, um, she'll say, Todd, uh, can you go ahead and make sure that you write this? Oh, I'm going to put it in my notepad. Or how about text this person, confirm this appointment or do whatever. And I go to do it. Oh, I've got a notification or an email. And next thing you know, you're distracted by all of the nonsense that's going on in this little thing that we hold in our hand. And we forget really what our goal is. And the reason why I can laugh about it, because it happened to me this morning, I'm sitting out there on my deck, sipping on coffee, looking over my message, thinking about the day, praying over the message. And I'm like, oh, I want to find out this about Ezekiel, you know. Uh, And so I go to, oh, what does that say? Next thing you know, 15 minutes went by. And so then as I got into the scriptures, I realized that maybe this message was for me. What's my idol? Who's my God? How have we allowed distractions in our Christian life to hinder us from really falling in love and becoming deeper in love with Christ? What are your distractions? Before I really get into my message this morning, please continue to pray for my wife, as I, I think that she's on the downhill, you know, slide. She has bronchitis. Hasn't been able to sleep at night And and just going through quite a bout of this hacking and coughing And um, last night I was able to sleep well I don't know how much she coughed or how much she was up But sure didn't bother me uh, But, you know, she didn't want to come today to interrupt the services With her choking and hacking and coughing So please keep my wife in your prayers And uh, I've always wanted to do this Babe, you look awesome today Good to see you Here I am. Oh, and uh, she's watching on Facebook. She texted me right before the message said, I love you. I'll be watching the service on Facebook. So I just I've always wanted to. I I look better on this side, babe. Do you like me better on this side? Oh, just okay. So see what I mean? Social media messes me right up. So here's the children of Israel. I think they got messed up because of all the other nonsense that was going on. I mean, let's be real here. We are so distracted by everything that goes on in our world that we really don't even hear the voice of God. And so this morning, I'm not going to be long. I know I say that, but uh, hey, what are you trying to say? George Nucius? please come to the altar. And uh, this is your pastor speaking um, so here he is, Ezekiel, and I want to get into the word, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase, but I just want to, I want to get you all kind of excited about who this guy was, how God used him, because he answered the call. He answered the call that motivated him to become better. Now, in Ezekiel's life, he was already a little bit bitter he was a little bit upset in regard to, you know, what was going on. And he's probably thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have to go to this rebellious people. They don't want to hear what I have to say. They've been in this place in exile for, for years and years and years and years and years. And yet, God, you're asking me to go. And in chapter 1, it talks about the angels and how God started to speak to Ezekiel. And when God starts to speak, don't think that it's just your imagination. Let God start to speak to you and you just stop what you're doing and you listen and react upon it. We have a tendency to say, oh, that's not what he's saying. But if it comes back two or three times, maybe four, you might want to stop what you're doing and just act upon it. Let me give you an example. If God says, hey, you need to call this individual today. Man, if you hear it more than once, you need to call them. I was able to call a friend of mine. God didn't let me rest till I called him. And once I got on the phone with him and I said, what are you going through? I need to know. He started to share his feelings. And we just needed to bear one another's burdens. Because we have to listen to the voice of God, not the voice of reason. You must listen to the voice of God. But you have to pick up the phone and answer the call in order to be moved by what God's going to do in and through your life. So let's just pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. Thank you for those that are here. And Lord, those that are listening. Lord, I just pray that you will just move in the hearts of all of us. Lord, to listen. To not sit. To not just close our eyes and fall asleep. But Lord, to stand up and to go. Lord, help us to embrace your message this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen. The word Ezekiel actually means God strengthens. And as we get into this, I want to bring your attention to Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. And this morning, because I like the narrative of the New Living Translation, I'll be reading out of it. And I want to bring to your attention this morning what it has to say. In the word, stand up, son of man. Stand up, son of man. Now, let me just stop right there. It said, said the voice. Now, have you ever been sitting in church and all of a sudden you start to doze off? Because you're sitting like never Be careful, I'm your pastor and I watch. When we're sitting, it's easy to fall asleep, isn't it? But when we're standing, we're attentive. I haven't seen anybody in the 13 and a half years that I've been your pastor fall asleep, standing up. If you do, it will be quite hysterical, and I might laugh when you fall over, and uh, and the people around you will probably do just the same, but we've never seen anybody really fall asleep standing up. Here's what he said. I want to speak with you. The spirit came into me as he spoke and he set me on my feet. So I'm going to I'm going to do something today where it where when I say set, stand, get up, rise up. I want you to highlight it in your Bible. I want you to circle it in your Bible. So he spoke and he said, set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. Oh, they are a stubborn and hard-hearted people. But I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for remember, they are rebels. At least they will know they have had a prophet among them. Son of man, do not fear them or their words. Do not be afraid, even though their threats surround you like nettles and briars and stinging scorpions. Do not be dismayed by their dark scowls. And even though they are rebels, you must give them my message, whether they listen or not. Oh, but they won't listen for they are completely rebellious. Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked and saw a hand reaching out to me. It held a scroll which he unrolled, and I saw that both sides were covered with funeral songs, words of sorrows, and pronouncements of doom. In chapter 3, it says, The voice said to me, Son of man, eat what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. Now, Let me just stop right there real quick. There's been kind of an argument in regard to um, many pastors that have believed that literally he said, eat the scroll. When he said, eat the scroll, some believe that it was just like the woman at the well who said, I thirst. And so she went to the well. That didn't mean he became, as he said, Jesus was the living water, right? It didn't mean she was drinking from him, but drinking from his life. It was a comparison and an illustration in regard to what Jesus was trying to teach. But I do believe that if I were to look at this word, and I've looked at it in the King James Version. I've looked at it in several different um, narratives. I will also tell you this, that he was saying that it is sweet as honey in my mouth. And so, you know, God was telling him, I want you to take this word and I want you to ingest it. I want this to become part of who you are. How many of us would say we haven't even opened up the word of God this week? You haven't opened up the word of God. Have you ingested the Bible this week? Has it been a part of your daily devotion? Has it been a part of your morning wake up? Have you said, I've studied to show the word of God? I know that thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And yet you can't figure out why you keep sinning against God because God hasn't been a part of what you've been eating. And so he told Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. Now, I really do believe that obedience comes from doing what God asks us to do. Amen. So let's continue. So he says there. In verse 2, so I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. Fill your stomach with this, he said. And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said, Son of man, go, there it is again, to the people of Israel and give them my messages. I am not sending you to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. No, I'm not sending you to people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. But people of Israel won't listen to you anymore, then they listen to me. For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. But look, I have made you as obstinate and hard-hearted as they are. I have made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels. Verse 10, then he added, son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Do this whether they listen to you or rather they don't. Then the spirit lifted me up. Highlight that. Then the spirit lifted me up. And I heard a loud rumbling sound behind me. May the glory of the Lord be praised in his place. It was the sound of the wings of the living beings as they brushed against each other and the rumbling of their wheels beneath them. The spirit lifted me up and it says, took me away. I went in bitterness and turmoil, but the Lord's hold on me was strong. Then I came to the colony of Judean exiles in Tel Aviv beside the Kibar River. I was overwhelmed and sat among them for seven days. Seven days, he said, he was overwhelmed. And when God calls you to do something, when God called me to preach, he didn't tell me, Hey, Todd, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I want you to go to North Hill because they're wonderful people and they they fast at least seven days a week. And they're just all going to flock into your church. You're going to have to open up the windows and they're going to be so hungry for the word of God. No, that wasn't the case. God said, it doesn't matter. I want you to preach the word No matter what's going on around you. So we have rebels. We have rebellious people. Why is it that we as a church have sat down. Instead of stood up. And we have allowed the world. To manipulate us Christians. To be just like them. Instead of us being just like God forbid, and so here he was, just sitting around. Again, if you're sitting, you're not doing. I can't mow the lawn sitting. I can't work sitting. I can't cook. I can't eat. I can't do anything sitting. And so it says the Spirit of God came to Ezekiel, and he said, Get up, my friend, and go. And Ezekiel said, okay, eat this. So he ate it. And as he started to take on who God was and the Spirit of God started to speak to him, he moved a foot. Because it says here, he went and he sat for seven days and did nothing. Okay, so let's make this relevant. To our church today Are we sitting around doing nothing? Are we just sitting around Letting somebody else do it? Has God spoke to you and said You have a job to do And maybe it's just to be a church And sit in that pew and pray for the people that are around you Don't condemn those that are around you Pray for the people that are around you. Encourage those that are around you. Uplift those that are around you. Pray for their needs. Pray for their soul. Encourage them. The Bible says we come together for the edification, for the encouragement. That's why we're here. But many of us are just like Ezekiel. You have sensed the power of God. You have felt the power of God. But you have not moved upon his power. For many of you that said, that's not my job anymore, that's her job, that's his job. You ready? (laughs) That was for all of you that were sitting down sleeping. It's all of our calling, it's our job to spread the gospel to make a difference. I'm coming to a place where I am just, I am adamant, I am on fire, I am excited about God's sovereignty and what he's doing. And that this world needs us more than we realize they need our influence because of him. We must and we should mirror who God the Father is. So Ezekiel went right back and he said, guys, wake up. So it says he was a watchman for Israel. In 16, after seven days, the Lord gave me a message. He said, son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. But you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. If righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior and ignore the obstacles I put in their way, they will die. If you do not warn them, they will die in their sins. None of their righteous acts will be remembered. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn righteous people not to sin and they listen to you, And do not sin they will live and you will have saved yourself too Then the lord took hold of me and said get up and go out into the valley. What did he tell him to do? Get up And I will speak to you there So I got up and went and there I saw the glory of the lord just as I had seen my first vision by the kibar river and I fell face down on the ground Then the spirit came into me and set me on my feet. He spoke to me and said, go to your house and shut yourself in. There, son of man, you will be tied with ropes so you cannot go out among the people. And I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be speechless and unable to rebuke them. For they are rebels. When I give you a message, I will loosen your tongue and let you speak. Then you will say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord has to say. Those who choose to listen will listen. Those who refuse will refuse, for they are rebels. God equips those he calls to service. There were some miners and settlers in British Columbia who were stripping for at Fort Alcon of lumber, electrical appliances and plumbing when they made an amazing discovery. While dismantling the jail, they found that the mighty locks were attached to the heavy doors, and two-inch steel bars covered the windows. But the walls of the prison were only wallboard made of clay and paper, painted to look like iron. A good heave against the wall by a man would have burst the wall down. Nobody ever tried because nobody thought it was possible. You see, many Christians are prisoners of fears that are nothing when pushed up against. Satan can do nothing against the Son of God. But he loves to put barriers of papier-mâché in the path of a believer to make him think he is stopped. Interesting, isn't it? When God calls us to do difficult tasks for him like he did Ezekiel, he calls us to face it with courage. We cannot be afraid of what God has already overcome. To Joshua, even the Lord said, be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. To Isaiah, the Lord says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God, I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you. With my righteous right hand. I think that's why God appeared to Ezekiel in the first chapter the way that he did. Ezekiel needed to remember how big God is. He needed to remember that God who calls him could protect and provide for his needs. Ezekiel is going into exile. He's going to uh, uh, exile actually means banished to a place where people were banished away. It was a camp. And to him it was an unpopular message. One that people would not accept. So I'm going to make this personal and real for you. I don't know if you've ever had to give someone bad news. The message is unpopular. And it will hurt those that you care about. There's nothing fun. There's nothing fun about giving bad news. Let me tell you something. Take it from me. You become unpopular Really, really fast. People may cross the street to avoid you. People will stop associating with you. And I will tell you, it will feel very alone at times. And you see, Ezekiel had an unpopular message of repentance, of judgment. And the people could not have been less receptive to his words. But we're going to learn three quick Truths and principles from Ezekiel and from this passage. You see, God equipped Ezekiel with courage. God equipped Ezekiel with courage. He gave him the courage to face these people each and every day. He gives him the courage to say, thus says the Lord. And as I read and and I've explained, the Lord actually uses two verbs to describe the people of God in the passage. Rebelled. Which means to refuse allegiance to. To rise up against a sovereign. And the word means and revolt, which means to violate covenant duties. To breach covenant relationships people of God were open rebellion against God but God still loved them enough to warn them to speak to them about their sins would you have the courage to rise up against sin I'm not talking preference I'm speaking of sin churches are sitting down Christians Are sitting down. Church it's time to stand up. It's time to rise up. And it's time. To confront sin. And to be courageous. In your life in Christ. Number two. God encourages Ezekiel to be a man of integrity. So he encouraged him. And equipped Ezekiel with courage. Man, we can't go into battle by ourselves. God gave him the courage and the strength to face adversity. Listen, these are my people. I don't want to go to them and tell them this story. Are you kidding me? Do you know what they'll do to me? Okay, so it took him all these days, a whole week, just to try to muster up enough energy to go and to do. Have you been there? Has it been hard for you? To spread the gospel of jesus christ has it been difficult for you to embrace wait a minute if god be us, who shall be against us oh god's on my side i'm on his oh no we will set back and let the world's influences change us but it says ezekiel he needed to be a man of integrity we cannot speak with authority against sin if we are involved in it Chapter 2, verse 8, you heard me read. God calls his people to be sanctified. He calls them to be holy. He calls them to be different. The witness we have among people in our community is a sermon in itself. It gives us credibility or it robs us of it. Now, for those that are drifting, because you're sitting, I have a story about two preachers. This will really get to you. And I really want you to listen closely. There's two preachers who lived in the days before automobiles. The two of them met in a certain town. The first asked the second how he was doing. And he said, I am furious. Someone has stolen my bicycle, and I think it was one of my church members. I just don't know what to do. The first preacher said, here's what I do. I'd preach the Ten Commandments this Sunday. When I go to Thou Shall Not Steal, I'd really hammer it home. And the second preacher said, I think I'll take your advice. The next Monday, the first preacher ran into the second one and saw that he was riding the bicycle. So he stopped him and he said, hey, I see my advice work." The second replied, not really. When I got to Thou Shall Not Commit Adultery I remembered where I left my bicycle. Man said to me last week, I'm glad you're a pastor. Are you one of those pastors that committed adultery? That have slept with people in your church? Now, this is a true story. This is what he said to me. No, I hope that man weeped. And wept over his sin. Because you see, we are so quick to cover up our sin. And to separate our holiness with God the Father. Oh, how it pains me. We need to be very, very careful. Number three. And last, God evaluates Ezekiel's success. Not on numbers, but on obedience. Before we move on, you know, people are watching to see if we are people of integrity or not. One of the hardest things for me as a pastor is to take a stand when I want to open up the carpet and sweep it underneath there. But we're sinful people. And just because I've confronted issues never meant that I was ever better. All it meant was that I wanted you to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why. That's our goal is to fall deeper in love with him. There was a pastor who felt God leading him to go to a house where he did not know the person See he wanted to invite that person to church He said I went though. I wasn't sure what kind of reception I would get As I approached the house a man asked me what I wanted I told him that I had some information about a church and I wanted to share it with him He gave me some excuse about a task he had to do and went to the house next door I decided to give him a few minutes. So I left and went to another house but before long I returned I spoke with his girlfriend because he still wasn't at home I invited them both to church My invitation wasn't accepted he said But I was faithful to do what I felt God was leading me to do That's the important issue Being faithful to doing what God has asked you to do Are you faithful to God as he tugs at your heart? Are you being obedient Sometimes it isn't fun. Sometimes it isn't pleasant. Many times it requires sacrifice and hard work to be obedient. Many times it's those feelings that, you know, overcome you and say, I just can't do this. I feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable. Last week, the ladies weren't up here, and George said it just impressed by my heart. He and Ron came up. They did something that in in most cases would would make so many people uncomfortable. But he felt it. He moved on it. He acted upon it. They came and sang. And now we're putting together the New Hope Men's Quartet. It'll be barbershop style. (laughs) Blessed my heart because they reacted. Because God tugged on their heart and they were faithful. Sometimes we are misunderstood and even ridiculed. But are you faithful? That's the important thing. A man named Vance Haveners once said God is faithful, and he expects his people to be faithful. God's word speaks to faithful servants, faithful in a few things, faithful in the least, faithful in the Lord, faithful ministers. And all points up to that day when he will say, well done, thou good. And Faithful servant What terrible times we have in our churches trying to keep people faithful in attendance and loyalty How we reward and picnic and coax and tantalize church members into doing things they don't want to do But which they would do if they loved god The only service that counts Is faithful service True faith shows up in faithfulness Not everybody can sing, not everyone can preach, but all can be faithful. He gives him a vision, then he gives him a mission, then he gives him the words to use. God goes with us to accomplish our tasks. And as I close, I will say this to you this morning. Never once... In my life, did I ever realize what it meant to stand up and to go? I remembered a time in my life when suffering in this Christian life was so difficult. And my life, just serving the Lord, has not been wonderful, but His blessings have been abundance. And I'll never forget that night when I was in Ravenna, Ohio, and I was there doing carpets for our company. And I remember the only thing that I could think of doing was doing the very thing that God had His Son do when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew chapter 26, He said that Jesus went with a couple of His disciples. And as He was in that garden... All he asked those two men was, he said, listen, men, do not fall asleep. Please be watchful. He said, I'm just going to go over here to my father and I'm going to cry out to him. And we know the story. So Jesus goes over and he falls down on the floor. if We want to say the ground. And as he's down there. And as he's praying and he's saying, Father, let the sins of so many, let this, this cup pass from me. The Lord brings him back to his feet and he walks over and he says, men, you aren't being watchful. No, what he was saying is, why aren't you faithful? And so he goes back and he starts to pray. And as he's praying... The Lord brings him back up to his feet. And as he's weeping, and it says the sweat drops of blood were falling from his head as he was taking on the sins of the whole world. He finally walked over. And here's what he said. Stand up. Stand. It's time. What did he mean? What did he mean when he said stand up? He knew that the Roman soldiers were coming. He knew that Judas Iscariot had sold him out. And he said, men, be ready. Be faithful. Stand up. And it says, as they stood, they watched as they saw. The soldiers coming to take Jesus to the place of the skull to go up through the Via della Rosa to take on the sins of this whole world. You see, Jesus was faithful. Are you faithful? Have you been faithful? Have you ignored his calling? So as I was studying this, I'm going right back to this story. So I'm in Ravenna, Ohio, and and all I could do is I could think was I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray and I'm going to go before God and I'm going to seek his face and I'm going to cry out to him in a way I've never cried out before. And I'm going to ask Him, and I'm just going to plead with Him. And as I got down, and my face was before the carpet, and I was crying, and I was screaming, and I was crying out, the peace of God came upon me, the Holy Spirit came through me, and God lifted me to my feet. And it was at that point that I realized that I was no longer laying down, that I was no longer sitting down, that I came to my feet, and I was standing up, and I realized right then the call of God that was on my life. And he said, Go, go, go. And I said, Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. You see, you're sitting in a church today because God's abundance grace was on this church. Why are we still sitting? It's not our job. Listen, the church is for discipleship. We're here to teach people the word of God. That's our role. Mine is your pastor is to preach the word and to pray for you. And that I do. But the bigger goal is to get out and tell people that they have a God who loves them, who cares for them, and who wants to lift them up with His righteous right hand. Oh, church, why are we still sitting? Why are we still sitting? Would you stand up and answer the call? Would you say, here I am, Lord, as Isaiah said, use me, guide me. Lord, help me to follow in Your footsteps and let me see the provisions that You have for me. Lord, it's going to be exciting. Listen, following God isn't a curse. It's a blessing. He didn't go to the cross just for some. He went to the cross for all. And this morning, I plead with you. Put aside your sinful ways. Put aside your selfish ways. And seek his face. Turn from your wicked ways. And as he told the the children of Israel, then you will hear from heaven. And I will heal you. Where have you been walking? What have you been doing? What have you been listening to? Are you faithful? Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. He can't use you sitting down. So if you feel how I feel, I'm going to let you sit. But if you feel the way I feel, then you stand to your feet because every week I say, would you please stand with me? And if you would like to stand with me and take on the call of I will be faithful, then you take a stand right now. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for your word. And, Lord, I'm just humbled to think that you're still using pastors, teachers, and preachers, and prophets to do your work. And, God, we need to to quit sitting down and letting other people do what you've called us to do. For we are The body of Christ. God help us to get up. And to win souls for Jesus Christ. Help us to embrace. Your cross. Embrace the message of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. And let people see you. In and through us. God we love you. And we thank you for your word this morning. Help us to not. Become comfortable. But help us, Lord, and put us in a place of feeling uncomfortable so then we can see your power through us. God, today, if somebody's here that needs to, to really confess and, and really get their life back to where they need to be from their sinful ways, oh, God, help us to, to turn our eyes upon you. Look full in your wonderful face. And the things of this earth will go and grow so dim in the light of your glory and in light of your grace. Lord, speak to us today in your holy name we pray. Use us. Help us to be faithful. Amen.